When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Knife Talk is sponsored by Evenheat, the manufacturer of the finest knife heat treat ovens available. Find your next heat treat oven at evenheat-kiln.com. So welcome to another episode of Knife Talk. Now this one is a little different, as it's a tools and materials special, where I'll be speaking with makers and manufacturers of the tools and materials that we need to make our knives. So there's going to be, there's going to be a few guests on this show, but first up is Bill, Bill Benke. So welcome to the show, Bill. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm really, um, really looking forward to it. Okay, cool. So can you tell the audience a little a bit about the kind of knives that you make? Well, most of my knives are, they're all forged, uh, 99% of them. Uh, I like make my own Damascus uh, steel. Hmm. I've been making knives since the mid-80s, so over 30 some years. I'm 71 years old. Wow. <laughs> and still swinging hammers. Yeah. Yeah. No, I feel good. Uh, no, I like, uh, I like smaller, uh, knives, uh, uh, you know, uh, knives that are meant to be used daily. In fact, all my knives are meant to be used. Uh, some are art pieces, but then some are, you know, uh, have a purpose. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so I've I've been seeing your name pop up on posts from some of my favorite knife makers for some time now. As so, as well as the wonderful knives that you produce, you also produce a, a fantastic looking file guide. So, can you tell us a bit about those file guides? Okay, I started. I think I made one just out of uh, <laughs> necessity because I was kind of kind of uh, saw that I I get my my work close, but it wasn't just way I liked it. So I, I went ahead and uh, uh, made one for myself. And it was this has been a good 10, 12 years ago. And I started out with some steel and some, uh, and just and just uh, heat treating that, but I found out, you know, the steel doesn't hold up to grinding or files or whatever. So I thought I'd incorporate carbide and I thought, well, maybe aluminum would be good. So I, uh, and aluminum uh, is very strong, and so a lot of people kind of shy away from it because they figure it'll bend. Well, yeah, it'll bend, but one uh, good peculiar uh, thing about aluminum that it sticks to steel, hmm. and you only need to up your screws uh, very uh, lightly, and uh, that'll hold really well. Uh, but in the last three years, I've come out with the stainless steel uh, bars just uh, to accommodate some people have been asking for stainless. So I, 
I uh, make them out of a 416 stainless. All my bars are CNC machined, and I have the, uh, the carbide ground, and I assemble all of them, my, all the uh, guides myself. Uh, and I include Allen wrenches because uh, my uh, my screws are quarter twenty uh, UNC threads, and there's a lot of uh, people in metric countries that hmm. uh, don't have access to that. So I include the wrench so they can they, so they can use the uh, the guide. Oh, great! And I, uh, yeah. So, so is the, the 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 aluminium or the the stainless steel? So that's got a a carboid sort of outer shell. Then I assume is it which stops the grind from from digging in? Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a feet. The, the uh, guides are approximately three and three quarters inch long, uh, three eighths of an inch wide, and a half inch tall. Hmm. The carbide is three thirty seconds thick by five sixteenths by three inches. So it's a lengthy piece of carbide there. Right. And yeah. it is a 92 Rockwell, and it's only impervious to a diamond. Uh, you'll wear it, you know, you'll, you'll see some bright spots on it from some aggressive grinding in that, but you're not going to, you're not going to really phase that carbide at all. Hmm. So Jeremy from Homestead Knives posted a video on his Simple Little Life YouTube channel. Uh, I think it was just today, okay. actually, of himself using one of your file guides, and I know Jeff Fader's. Oh. O- I know Jeff Fader's always singing your praises too. So, so when did you yeah. start? When did you start making these guides? Uh, actually, in selling them, uh, probably about six or seven years ago. But I really got my. I was making them uh, on my own mill and by hand. But then I had access to a CNC machine. And about five years ago, I started having them CNC machined, and uh, that really, really took care of things. You know, I just uh, I got a lot of good consistency. Well, I had consistency with my my own work, but it was time consuming. Hmm. And uh, so this way, I can get I can pick up any two you know uh, pieces of the pair, and they'll fit. You know, regardless, I don't have to match any. Um, that, that was really the the, the uh, blessing of uh, having a CNC machine. Yeah, so those, um, those tolerant tolerances yeah. are really dialed in there. Then I assume, yeah, yeah. There's, it's just a time saver and, a, and uh, um, just was the right ticket for me. Okay, well, you mentioned on your website that you also use the guide to to line up handle scales too. So, so how does that yes. work? How does that work? Well, you just Flipping around, you know, anywhere you want any two surfaces to be in the same plane, you can use that guide because those 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 uh, the carbide is on the same plane. You're establishing that plane. So, let's say you want to put a swage grind on your blade, you know, on the on the spine part of it. Uh, you just flip it up and put it where you want your belt to stop grinding. You can you can uh, hit both sides just just right on you know you're not going to be off on one side or the other you just have to watch the angle that you're grinding at hmm. and with your bolsters as well you know or your scales uh in fact i soldered my bolsters on and i don't use any pins and i i've been uh complimented on my on my soldering jobs and that but uh i use the uh file guide to where i want the uh bolsters to rest and i you know i clamp the bolsters on with the with uh, vice grips and then uh, vice grip clamp, 
then pop off the file guide and then solder and they'll line right up. Or if you're just doing scales, you do it the same way. Hmm. So they'll butt up against the, the guide, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of uses for it. It's just, I guess, your imagination is what's going to limit you to, to what you can do with it. Hmm. Hmm. So do, do you have any uh, more tools which you've made which you're considering selling to the, the sort of the knife-making community? I, I have. I haven't. I've, I've dabbled in some uh, uh, vices for uh, for uh, holding the uh, handles when you're gluing up a stick tang. Mm. Uh, that'll that'll clamp the the handle up to the guard, and that. Uh, I I made them and I wasn't really pleased with them. I, I didn't know if I should pursue it anymore, and I didn't really have much. I don't know if there's that much call for it and that, but uh, I have some ideas on a, another uh, type of file guide, and that's one to do integral bolsters, something along the line of V-block, so you can so you can do the whole 360. Wow. Uh, of that, and I think that'll be uh, good. I'm going to talk to a uh, uh, machinist. And with some ideas, and uh, we'll hash some stuff out. But I think I can come up with something like that. And uh, I know I'd like one. Mm. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. And generally, it's the case of if you know if you want something, there's other people out there that will too. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I know you've so, been making knives since since the mid 1980s, as you mentioned earlier. But yes, uh, during that time, have you seen an increase in people making knives? Maybe over the past decade, is is this something growing? Oh, definitely. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think you know, just in the recent years, uh, that uh, that uh, show Forge and Fire has done it, the knife business tremendous help. You know, mm. I've been at you know, shows and they'll say, "Have you seen that show?" Yeah, I've seen the show. <laughs> you know, is that how you do it? It saves me a lot of talking, explaining what I'm doing too. So, I <laughs> yes, think yeah. Recently, there's there's been a, a good flood of that, you know, because people are aware of a custom knife. Hmm. So, so what got you into making knives? Well, I was making muzzle loading guns oh. and uh, black powder, hmm. and uh, and I uh, I was intrigued with the. I've always been intrigued by a blacksmith or blacksmithing and that. Never really tried it till I got into uh, gun making and. And I went to some seminars where their guys were making the furniture to trigger guard and butt plates by forging, and and I just fell in love with that, you know. And then uh, I got into a blacksmith group uh, club, and there's one guy there making Damascus, and wow, is this cool, <laughs> you know? So that's just one thing fed and to the other, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, um, I've been looking at your Damascus today online, and your your feather Damascus is is stunningly beautiful. It's absolutely lovely. So, do you have a particular pattern that you enjoy making more than another? Maybe. I like them all. You know, there's, I, you know I, I I I find them all a challenge. I like, I haven't done them all yet, and I I, I think there's something I I want to. You know, it's kind of like on my uh, on my uh, uh, bucket list, but. Uh, I like a good, you know, it's a simple pattern, but it's a ladder pattern. And hmm. I use dies to print my uh, patterns in the steel. Uh, the Germans did that a lot. And uh, you can control your patterns really, really good by instead of just rough grinding them or anything. That You get a nice, nice 
workmanship like look to your with your work where everything's uniform in that, and that's what I like. Yeah, very nice. So you've got, looks neat. You've got a tool for every job. <laughs> Just about, you know. There's the other ones I want to make. You know, uh, I'm kind of fascinated by a jelly roll pattern too. There's so much you can do with that. It's a lot of labor getting mm. that thing rolled up, but once you have it rolled up, then you can do do a lot with it. Yeah, yeah. But as I say, the, the stuff that I've seen online that you've done is, is is just amazing. So so where can people find you? If they want to order a knife or maybe one of your file guides, where's the best place to get hold of you? On my website, that's www.billbentkeknives.com. Great stuff. Well, thanks very much for chatting, Bill. It's been lovely to talk about your work. Well, thank you. So next up is Quinn from Even Heat Kells, the guys who make my, my favorite heat treat ovens. So welcome to the show, Quinn. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having me. So first off, tell us a little bit about Even Heat, the company. Uh, the company? All right. Well, we started in 1948, so we've been around quite a while. Um, initially, it was started uh, for China painting kilns, and it would have been... Uh, started as that and it kind of spitballed they kept getting bigger and bigger into ceramic then uh glass glass started and uh, as of late knife has been our uh our flagship if you will as far as uh what models we make the most of um we still obviously make the glass ceramic and some other heat treat uh machine shop style ovens but for the most part knife is where it's at um other than that it's just a small family business that uh continues to prosper so 1948 it looks like this year will be what 70 years congratulations that's amazing thank you so so what's your specific role there uh my specific role besides kind of doing a little bit of office work i'm primarily in the back and i build the uh the electrical panels for the units um but i've also built i've kind of worked all over the shop floor Hmm. so i kind of got my fingers in a little bit of everything for the most part um but Day-to-day, I'm normally back in the panel room uh, building the electronics and uh, putting everything together to make sure these things function the way they should as far as uh, literal readout and tap controllers and all that fun stuff we're into right now. Yeah, yeah, okay. So you've already mentioned, um, you know, it's not just knife makers that have even heat counts. So, I mean, you've also got a great range of, of ovens for knife makers. But what are the other groups of makers outside of knife making that use them? I mean, you've mentioned ceramics and glass, but what sort of industries... Yeah, we have uh, we have a decent footprint in the ceramic industry, um, and then our probably our second biggest is going to be our glass uh, glass line, which is uh, which is actually pretty big. We offer a lot of glass kilns, and the fun thing with the glass is uh, we get to deviate from the ceramic and the knife kilns. If you look at our models on our website, they all kind of look the same hmm. because obviously to uh, to make the product work for the end user, we have to stick with some certain design elements that really make it run the way it should where with glass um they're not dealing with such high temperatures they're doing different things with different material and tools that we get to have a little fun and uh we've got a lot of clamshell designs where they open on the the lid as well as the chamber and those are really popular as of late so uh, the glass industry is fun because we get to uh i don't know we get to think a little more about what we wanted to uh you know Look like in the end where we do that with knife. We do we will have some new stuff coming out in knife, so keep your eyes peeled for that. But uh that's that's probably the perk of the glass. What would you say is the most popular model at the moment for knife makers? 
Uh, at the moment, if I had to put my finger on it, it's going to be a KF 18 tap with solid state. And as of late, probably with the Bill Burke mod as well. I don't know if you're familiar with that or any of your listeners are, but, uh, it's basically our conventional knife oven, if you will. And then what we do is we wrap a, uh, eighth inch layer of extra insulation between the brick and the external jacket just to keep the, uh, jacket temps down. And that kind of, that kind of took off as a, uh, a single order job for Bill himself. And then some people found out about it, more people found out about it. And then now it's literally a modification that we will do on a new oven. So, but a KF 18 tap with a uh, solid state is probably the golden boy out of our lineup. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, you just mentioned modifications. Do you ever see any sort of customer modifications, things that people have done themselves to their, to their ovens? Uh, we get, sometimes we've had people put in extra thermal couples, you know, to monitor, um, temps across the longer ovens, some of our extreme depths. Um, and then you'll get the guys who want to do inert, which we don't, we obviously don't make any inert kilns, but they give it a shot as far as how that works. I don't know. They never really get back with us, but <laughs> you see some mods here and there. Um, maybe they'll change a door latch system. You know how it is. Any guy in the end, especially the knife guys are pretty uh, intuitive. They'll, they'll tweak it if they don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I've been looking on the site and I can see your, your salt bath ovens. Is, is there, mm-hmm. is, is there much a demand for them with knife makers? I, I suppose. Like um, salt makers. Yeah, we've gotten, when we go to the shows, uh, we do uh, the ice show in Kansas City. We obviously do Blade down in Atlanta, done a couple small hammerings and things like that. Um, when we go, people know what it is, and they know how to use it. As far as demand, I bet you since we've introduced it, we've probably made about a dozen, give or take. Hmm. So it's uh, it's moving, but I think some of it, um, realistically, is there's a maybe I may be wrong, but I feel like sometimes when I go to the shows, there's some misinformation as to just how dangerous it really is. Which don't get me wrong, it can be, you know, it can be a handful. But uh, I, if you play your cards right and you pay attention to what you're doing, um, the guys that use it, um, especially we had we made a video with Tim Zawada, and uh, obviously this dude, he just he loves the salt bath aspect because the heat treat is quick and it's very, very, very accurate all the way through the blade where, you know, you get wrapping foil and stuff like that. You lose some of, uh, some of your consistency in your heat treat, but we've had a decent demand for them. Hmm. Okay, cool, cool. So, I mean, talking about demand, I mean, I've seen personally a big uptake in knife making over the past few years. Now it seems mm-hmm. to me, uh, I'm not sure whether it's just because I've sort of got myself into that community into this world but it seems to be coming a very very sort of popular thing to do now are you seeing that too oh yeah yes for sure um not only in demand for our products but we do, we've done the uh the blade show the international blade show down there in atlanta for i think i started going in 2007 and when i went there was a little bit of room left in the uh, actual convention hall and then last year when we went it's actually flooded out into mm-hmm the uh hallways of the gallery so yeah between the blade show um size increasing then obviously we get uh, our orders are up for knife in the last five six seven eight nine years and uh not only that the instagram we're big on that at least following we try to post as much as we can but the amount of these i think it's primarily young men on instagram is just it's incredible. I mean, it's everywhere we turn anymore at work, it seems like knife, 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 which is really cool because we enjoy it. But yeah, it's the industry, I think, 
um, has really taken off. Yeah, big and time. Instagram is yeah, it's it's just gone crazy for knife makers. It's just a great way to show off your work and you know to to to, to get involved in a community as well. Hmm. Yeah, and I think too part of it it doesn't require. I mean, I shouldn't say this because I don't make knives, but I feel like it's a hobby that. Even at a beginner standpoint, a guy, if he is really interested, can get into it with a, with a little bit of overhead, but it's not something you're going to spend a whole bunch of coin on getting right into. Hmm. You know, I feel like it's one of those hobbies you could creep into, and the more you enjoy it, the more you can, you know, spend on machinery and uh, take classes and whatever they do to, to perfect their craft. But that's just me from the outside looking in. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So... After every show that I do, I get messages from people in primarily, primarily in Europe, but always outside the United States, asking mm-hmm. where they could buy an even heat oven in Europe. So what are the options for European knife makers? Oh, European knife makers, that's kind of tough for us. Um, what uh, There is a company, and I, I'm blanking right now off the top of my head. I might be able to find an order for one, but it's called Art for Fun. I want to say it's Norway or Sweden. They carry our knife stuff, um, but the hard part for us anymore is uh, it's not hard, but it's it's time-consuming and sometimes uh, uh, cost-inhibitive due to the CE uh, manufacturing that we have to abide by. So uh, yes. we do offer through Art for Fun, but I don't know that we have another distributor actually on, uh, I don't know what they call it, the continent or Central Europe or however that works. Um, but we do have them. But other than that, we don't see a lot of knife going to Europe in general. The only real big international or outside the U.S. that we get is Australia. There seems to be a lot of them that go there for the most part. But uh, mm-hmm. as far as Europe, I hate to do this, but I really don't know. If you call the office, they can tell you. <laughs> They'll be happy to tell you where to get one from. Um, but being the guy in the bag, not shuffling through much of the paperwork, I'm not quite sure. Yeah, but I mean, it's something. Obviously, we we would love to get over there, and uh, I think another part too is you know when when our European distributors and some of our other markets when they order they order quite a a large order of kilns. That way, by the time they leave, they get them in the container, they get them across the ocean. You know, they make it worth their while to get a surplus of kilns. Where at least in the knife market, for the most part, it doesn't seem we ever we have a couple distributors in the U.S. who order a mass quantity, if you will, but it's uh, quite rare. Normally, it's custom off build to order for a certain guy in a drop ship. So Europe's we want to do more in Europe, but it's uh, sometimes it's a little tough, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's a good point actually. Mention about the sort of the CE mark on on European stuff. Yeah, because I know yeah, when that's. I, uh, when I ordered my oven, I couldn't have the um, I had to have a, I had to have the relays, and not the solid state switches. You know, is that a safety thing or? Uh, to be honest, I don't know if that's a safety thing or what, as far as CE goes. But for us to get the CE mark, we actually have to uh, assemble a full unit and send it to a place. I believe it's in Illinois, and they will test to CE specifications. And uh, sometimes to do that. Like I said, it gets kind of cost inhibitive to have you test every model. And if you only sell, you know, a handful overseas every year, it's kind of tough to justify getting the CE mark um, to sell maybe three or four kilns a year to Europe. So yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. it's just kind of the name of the game. But we have a couple. We do offer the uh, KF18 and I think the 22.5 in both CE marks. So you can still get one. And uh, to be fair, you know, they're going to they're gonna run just as good as anything we would have domestically. 
basically the same unit, just a little bit different on the internals as far as the electrical closure goes. But yeah. you know, okay. for what it's worth, it's it's still a great unit. Yeah, I I, I think I've got the twenty two twenty two point five, and yeah, it's it heats up quickly. It, it you know it retains heat very well. It's 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 perfect. It's perfect. In fact, good. I love the oven, but let me tell you the one the one thing about my even heat. Which which I'd like to see changed, and I think you're the guy. You're the guy. You do the electrics. You're the guy. Yes, so, I do. <laughs> I want a button that allows me to toggle the alarm on and off on the fly. So I mean, I know it can be changed as a system wide setting, but if I could do it on the fly, it would be really handy because specifically when I'm tempering, um, I often need to leave the leave the shop, or I may do a temper <coughs> temper overnight. Um, mm-hmm. that, that means that the alarm goes off and it just stays on and it just beep, beep, beep. beep right, you're beep, talking you know? the little loud alarm on the bottom of the panel? Exactly, yes. Are you talking uh, the alarm on the board? Um, the, uh, when, when you get to the end of a cycle, you know, the, the, the little the buzzer that goes off the alarm. Right, yep, 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 yep. Yeah, as of now, I mean, that's something we could consider possible. You can turn it off through your uh, through your OEM circuitry on the board, but that's mm-hmm. something we could consider. Yeah. That's the first I've ever had a complaint on the alarm. <laughs> that makes you feel better. Not, Normally, not everybody loves that thing. <laughs> not a complaint, but um, um, I don't know, just something that I'd like to see. It would be very handy for, I mean, I bet a lot of people do temperance cycles overnight. Um, and just, right. just having that one little button to say no alarms on this one would be great. Um, and you know right. then that it's not going to be it's not going to wake you up <laughs> yeah well that's something to consider i'll actually jot that down cool because cool. that's uh that's something we could probably handle <laughs> so what is seemingly simple like an oven obviously isn't um and even heat of they've embraced technology you've now got wi-fi connected ovens you've got touch screens and so on yep. so, so what's next as far as uh what's our next new and improved setup yeah i mean where could you go from this you know it's um as far as controls go um we're you know obviously we had to get into the touch screen market when that kind of showed up sds came on scene probably about three years ago now Mm -hmm. and uh to be fair at least for us it was a breath of fresh air because you know at that point it was 2000 what 2015 you know it's time that the uh the the control on the kiln look a little more modern not to not to downplay our RMs or our SDPs, but you know they look a little dated. Um, so we're working with them. I can't let any cats out of the bag, but there's possibly a new twist um, on the tap that may be out maybe this year, probably probably next year. But we're working with them a little bit um, on something there. Uh, other than that, um, we we did redesign uh, a couple of elements of our. Uh, not heating elements, literal elements of our knife kiln line. So keep your eyes peeled for that. That's another thing I can't really showboat a whole lot yet because it's still in R and D. But it, it'll look slick. I think uh, I think people will take to it big time. It will be in Atlanta. Cool. So and and it's you know we're we're trying. And at some point, you know, you got to learn to wait when to uh, leave well enough alone. But for the most part, we like to keep keep tweaking things, keep making things better. Um, yeah, we've got some stuff coming out to keep your eyes peeled. Uh, um, but I can't, unfortunately, I just can't drop the ball on them yet because they're all kind of <laughs> in testing and all that fun stuff. But uh, it, it should be fun, and I think, I, like I said, I think we'll probably get a pretty positive feedback because what we like to pride ourselves on, at least for the most part, is we like to consider, we work with a couple a couple knife makers that we know of that we've met from the shows, and we like to hear, hey, what's good and what's bad. 
you know. Hmm. So what we like to do is uh, we like to take into consideration of the end user and hopefully design a product or tweak a product that they'll enjoy and makes makes the process even better. So we're we're pushing to uh, you know instead of turning out the same stuff every day, you know, hey, let's have a little fun, let's make some stuff these guys might really be interested in. So. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. It's, it's cool. Well, I'm going to leave you to it so you can get back to making to making more ovens. Um, but thank thank you so much for taking the time out, and hopefully we speak again soon. Next up, we've got Dan Corey, who's better known as Basher Dan Grinders and Knives on Instagram. Let's talk about one of our sponsors, Tormac. To get great razor-sharp and repeatable edges, you're going to need a Tormac. To find out more, go to Tormac.com, which is T-O-R-M-E-K.com. Okay, let's get back to the show. So welcome to the show, Dan. Hi, Craig. Yeah, uh, thanks for asking us to come on the show. Not a problem. Um, for those who aren't aware of what you do, can, can you just let us know? Give us a sort of a brief introduction. Yeah, so um, I'm a new knife maker, or I say a knife maker, I've not actually made a knife as yet. Um, I'm just in the process of making the tools to uh, to make knives, which I've been doing for the last two years, I'd say. Um, and I've virtually made everything that that I think I need for um, producing knives. Uh, like I say, I've had a bit of a dabble, but I've never sort of finished a knife off because I'm still building the tools. Yeah. So you've done the complete opposite to what most people do, which is dive in, make a knife, realise it's terrible, then have to invest in lots of equipment. You're starting with making the equipment. Yeah, well, I, I kind of struggled um, finding the stuff that I wanted. And mm. I've, I've got an engineering background, so um, I'm, a, I'm an ex-engineer, if you like. And I found that most of the stuff was in the States, and it was very difficult to get hold of. And us in the UK, I feel that it's quite limited. So I thought, well, I've got ideas of the, the kind of tools that I want. Why don't I make them? And that's where it all started, really. Um, I, I'll admit, I, I didn't envisage it being like up to two years where <laughs> I'm, I'm still building tools and designing and putting them together and stuff. But, but yeah. Okay, so so when you say your engin- your background, sorry, was engineering, was that sort of industrial fabrication? What what kind of background was that? Yeah, it was um, it was more like engineering production. What I did, um, but I, I I've done a whole range of of, uh, of engineering. So I've done machine engineering, um, engineering production in terms of light fabrication, um, right up to heavy sort of steel fabrication um and kind of fell out of love with it really and wanted a career change so uh, mm. i've since picked it back up as a hobby and obviously i enjoy it more as a hobby because i can pick and choose what i want to do and how i want to do it um, whereas if you know when you're in employment it's quite difficult but uh, but mm. yeah I'm, I'm really enjoying it so there's far less pressure obviously yeah so i mean i've i've got one of your your jigs one of your grinding jigs um yeah. which is fantastic it's made it's rock solid it's made beautifully and you can see the amount of attention and care that you put into it um so so why why sort of why knife making um why services for knife makers um it kind of going back to 
how difficult I found it actually finding the the correct tools, the right tools that that I wanted. Um, most of them in the states, and mm. it, it was just it's we can get hold of it, but it's like twice, sometimes three times the price of the actual product because of you know the import. Uh, the import taxes and stuff that uh, that we get hit with, mm. and 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 like I say, going back to um, designing and, and making my own tools, um, everything that I have made and I do make is designed and processed and and used by myself, mm. and and I quite like that because there's no point in making something that you're just going to make and for selling. And I don't kind of make me stuff to sell. I'm making the stuff for me. And, and if people want it, then I'll make extra if you like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as I say, I, I've got a grinder of yours. Well, a grinding jig rather. Um, and I know a number of other sort of guests that we've had on the show are using stuff that you've made as well. So, yeah. so, so what other tools are you making? Uh, so I've made a grinder, um, a two by 72 grinder, which, uh, that, that was, I'd say the most complex thing that I've made, um, mm. took me quite a long time. Uh, it actually took me seven months just to design. Jeez. And, <laughs> okay. Yeah. That, and, and, you know, it, it weren't like a, just, uh, a, a scribble on the back of a fag packet kind of thing. It was, it, it was a full on sort of, um, I did my homework, I did my research, um, and I drew it all. I drew it all like, a, I'd say, the old-fashioned way these days. So, mm-hmm. you, you know, set square and drawing board. And um, I made a bit of a model of it, and then I digitalized it all in uh, in CAD. Um, so the uh, it, that that was seven months from designing to building, and then I did a further sort of three to four months testing, uh, making sure that obviously everything was was running true and straight, and made a few tweaks here and there. And uh, yeah, it was it was a long process. Yeah, I so, can imagine. Yes, yeah. Yeah, I, I started with the grinder as it happens, and then. Naturally, I moved on to the the grinding jig, the bevel jig, um, which obviously goes hand in hand with the grinder. Mm. Um, then I went on to the hand sanding jig, and and I found that I was when I was doing my research for that, trying to look for a product rather than I've heard stories of people like the, the fingertips. Um, a lot of pain in the fingertips when they've got a lot of um, surface sanding to do. Yeah, so yeah. I thought, I thought, mm, there's got to be something I can make. And what pushed me to actually, I had a design and I thought, mm, I weren't like 100% with it. And I went and visited uh, Sandy, Sandy Young, oh, um, yes. Young's Knives. And Sandy had quite a... Um, a bad accident where he was hand sanding and he slipped and he, 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 yeah, he got quite a deep cut. And, uh, and that was it. That was the turning point. I just said to Sander, I said, you know what? I said, you've done it for us. I've got a design there and I'm going to make it and I'll send you one and uh, <laughs> let me know what you think. So I did that. Um, and that's where that came from basically. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I've also got a, a small wheel attachment on order with you. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to that arriving. But have you had any requests to fabricate something just really unusual? Um, 
not as such. What I try and do is I try and sort of limit, you know, what I take on because I don't like being put under pressure hmm. in terms of if people ask me to make something, yeah, I can I can have a go and, you know, I can design something, but of course everything takes time. And what I don't like doing is I don't take orders because I feel as though I put myself under pressure. Hmm. And, you know, at the end of the day, I'm doing this as like a, a hobby. And um, I've done a couple of bespoke bits, like, um, for instance, um, one of my grinding jigs, uh, I had a guy who I follow quite closely who asked me if I could make him a bespoke grinding jig. And we went through a bit of a design and um, he was happy with it. So I made him one and yeah, he's, he's over the moon. Mm, fantastic. So I will, I will do bits. It's just, I, I don't think I'd, sort of do anything major because i've not really got the time i'm I'm limited for time as it is yeah yeah well that was my next question actually because you you, you said that you've made this grinder and i've seen the pictures on instagram it, you know it's it's fantastic it's it's one of the best better designed Thank grinders that i've seen so cheers i get email every week once the show goes live on a monday i generally get a bunch of emails over that coming week from people asking where to buy a grinder people getting into knife making where do I buy yeah. a grinder? And as you've mentioned, particularly in Europe, you know, the, the US seems pretty well served. Yeah. So, so I'm pretty sure a, a European maker wouldn't be short on customers, you know, if they if they started making making grinders and it almost sort of production run of them. Yeah. Um I I have made quite a few and the problem that I get is because there's so many variations that you can have with a grinder. Hmm. Um, people say, oh, well, I want this sort of size motor or, you you know, you, you give them a quote for uh, VFD drive as well as, um, you know, your contact wheels on and stuff like that. And then you get people coming back saying, well, I can use skateboard wheels. Hmm. And, and you're like, but skateboard wheels won't really cut the job long term. Hmm. And what I try to do is I try to make my stuff that will last a long time. Mm. Um, and it, it, you sort of, you find yourself taking a lot of time in putting these quotations and things together, like a bit of a package mm. for somebody. They, they'll have an idea in the mind of what they actually want, but they'll try and, chop down, chop down, chop down, and then they end up with something that won't last them as long because they're using lesser materials, if you understand what I'm uh, yes. trying to say. Yes, yeah, yeah. And I found I found that I don't really push my grinder um, because it takes quite a bit of time to actually make, you know, process, um, because I process everything myself. Everything I make... I am the only person that processes it. So if anything's wrong or inaccurate, I've only got myself to blame. Um, and uh, I like to think myself as a bit of a perfectionist. If I've done something wrong, <laughs> I'll scrap it and I'll start again. Said um, like a true knife maker. <laughs> yeah, but without making the knives yet. <laughs> um, I, I've just I've been doing a few bits and bobs for uh, for another guy, and I'm sure he will uh, vouch for for um, 
I'd say my attention to detail is uh, Adam from Road Knives. I've made mm. him quite a, a bit of stuff just recently. And it's like, yeah, you, you know, send him a message. Your stuff will be ready. And then a couple of days later, no, it won't. I scrapped it. I'm starting again because, <laughs> you know, I'm not happy with it. And and that's the way I work. You, you know, it, it's got to be right. If it's not right, it's going in the bin and I'll start again. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, yeah, that's the way to get the best product, surely. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, you're obviously a fan of fan of knives, of good knives. Um, so whose work do you see which excites you? Flipping uh, to name, but a few. Um, I, I follow a couple of guys quite closely because um, I feel these people. By by no means, I'm not sort of. Um, saying that nobody else does, but me personally, these are the guys that I follow closely because I feel as though they, they have similar traits to myself mm. where if something's not right, it, they, they'll put it right. And uh, the first one being um, Chris Medley of CSR Knives. Um, I've got a couple of Chris's knives and the attention to detail is just absolutely spot on. Um, really, really nice, crisp, perfect lines. Everything, everything about it is, you know, is is right up my street. Um, the second one is um, Guy Stainthorpe, and I could, well, I, I I'm into a bit of hunting as well. Mm. Uh, I don't do as much as I like, so this is kind of where the the love of knives comes from for me is around the hunting and stroke bushcraft stuff and guy guy makes a lot of hunting knives and his work is superb um i mean i seen him at the uk knife show last year and he had you, you know his stuff on show and it's just absolutely beautiful stuff mm. uh really really nice so are those mm. the kind of knives that you'll be wanting to make when you're you know, taking more time to make knives yourself? Will they be sort of hunting knives, uh, sort of woodsman knives, that kind of thing? Yeah, um, bushcraft and uh, and the hunting knives, yeah. Hmm. I, I'm not a fan of large knives. Um, personally, for the stuff, the kind of stuff that I do, I've no use for them. Yeah. And, um, yeah, they're, they're just not my cup of tea. And, I mean, I, I come from a bit of a... a an outdoor background as well. I've I spent a long time in the scouting movement in the UK. Mm. Um, I spent a long time on a campsite as a volunteer running the site. Um, must be, I must've been a volunteer there for 20 years or so. Um, and, and obviously the hunting comes for, uh, uh, you know, a hobby, a yeah. hobby side of mine, which are doing the winter. Cool, cool. So, yeah, so pretty soon you're going to be making your own knives um, and, you know, getting to use them as they should be used, which is great. Yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, <laughs> I hope it all works out. I hope I can make knives and uh, as, as well as I'm making my tools, but uh, it's, it's a steep learning curve, as I've found. <laughs> yeah. So, so if I mean, you've already mentioned that, you know, you don't particularly take orders um, for the tools that you make. Um, but if somebody wanted to contact you to discuss um, some sort of product development or making something for them, which, which would be the best way for them to do that? Uh, Instagram. Uh, I, I, I do most of my stuff on Instagram. Um, it's, it's, 
I just find it really easy to work and hmm. you know people get in touch with me on there they can send us a direct message or you know comment on one of my photos and you, obviously I get the notifications so so yeah it's really easy on uh, on Instagram yeah so on Instagram you're you're basher dan underscore grinders underscore and underscore knives is that right? Yes. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Great stuff. Yeah. Well, well, hopefully, you know, you'll, people will be getting in touch. And, um, well, hopefully you'll be taking too many orders that you will find some time to get into the uh, into the workshop to start making your knives. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm just, just in the process of uh, building a new workshop, as it happens, because I've uh, outgrown uh, my home workshop. And, uh, yeah, so I'm nearly done. I'm nearly in there. So when I get in there, that's it. I, hopefully I'll hit the ground running. Sorry, I'm, I'm pretty much in that sort of situation at the moment. So I'm renovating my workshop. And what I'm finding is I'm picking something up to put it somewhere else, thinking I need to put it over there whilst I do this. Then I can move it to this new place. And before you know it, everything is just having a bit of a disco round, you know, because you're moving something, then you need to move that to put something else there, then you move that to put something else there. It's just a nightmare. It's taken me so, so long. Yeah, I feel your pain there, Craig. I mean, you know, when you move from having such little space to big space, the thing that I'm uh, not struggling with, but uh, I'm trying to work out is, how to best place stuff. So I'm thinking, you know, of having a station for grinding, a station for clean work, mm. um, you, you know, a station for the, uh, the the bandsaw stroke router work. You know, it's quite, <laughs> yeah, it's quite hard yeah. setting it out. Well, what, what I'm doing with the new shop, which I haven't really seen other people do so much, is at the moment I've got I've got benches all over the place. So, you know, some behind me, some in front of me, some on back walls and so on. So the, yeah. the idea is to have one long back wall with one sort of um, stand stand height bench. Um, and across that wall, actually having sort of partitions. So I'll have a grinder in one, I'll have a drill press in another, a uh, bandsaw in another, and that kind of thing. So, so the idea is that I can sort of contain the mess for that particular tool in that one sort of, in that one little station, you know? Um but yeah, let's see how that goes. I'm such a messy worker. I'm pretty sure it won't work out that way, but uh, it's just a constant battle trying to keep things tidy and clean. Yeah, isn't it just? I mean, I, I, I often look at people's photos and stuff and uh, I don't think I've, I've seen anybody as clean as uh, Aaron Goff. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that, that place. Uh, yeah, he's, he, Aaron's definitely a, a one-off for uh, for keeping the place absolutely spick and span. And I think I'm pretty much like you. Uh, you know, I start off well and within minutes, it's yeah. like a bombsite. <laughs> yeah. Sandpaper everywhere, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Dan. Um, I'm going to let you get back to your shop because um, I know you've got tools to make. And, um, and hopefully we speak again soon. Yeah, great stuff. Uh, really appreciate you asking me to come on, Craig. It's, uh, it's great. Thank you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.